Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Yeah. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. We in Outshine. Bitcoins, we got them. Acquire, never sell. But catch us rolling deep like Adele. Bitcoin, blockchains, cryptocurrencies. Three guys faded talking Bitcoin, no fee. That's the free Bitcoin podcast, insane. And adoption is still the only thing, thing, thing that matters, man. Hold on. I wasn't recording anything on uh, y'all's end, so that's really cool. Now you are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we weren't doing anything. Nothing was recorded so far. So wait, there's just blank space right Literally there. nothing was recorded on y'all's end. We are professionals. Do to start all the way over? Yeah, start all the way over. Oh my God, Corey. You're such a noob. Yeah, I know. Okay. Yeah. I'm a little drunk too, so sorry. Andy <laughs> left, been- understandably. Somebody's been day drinking for the holidays. Yeah, I'm having Christmas with my wife right now. Day drinking. (laughs) All right. Well, in 10. (laughs) Hey, guys. Welcome back to episode 237 of the Bitcoin Podcast Redo Holiday Edition Battle Royale. And I am your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number two, D. I'm host number three, Dr. Corey Petty. We already did this once, but I forgot to record everyone in the meetup. So uh, we're doing it over again. So I'm a little bit drunk. Yeah. Uh, this episode, we are not having an interview. Well, we're kind of having multiple interviews and in that we have a live session going that was given out to our Slack where people can call in and be a part of the roundtable. So we're just going to have one long roundtable of whoever calls in. We'll see what happens. Definitely. Uh, I yeah. think we're going to. Based on what we came to the conclusion earlier when I wasn't recording anything, we're just probably going to give people a certain amount of time to ask questions. And then if people keep calling in, we'll just take a cue. We don't know. Aaron Barnett, you're first up. Say what's up. All right. Howdy. Um, yeah. Is, is crypto still cool from the, you know, the hype train starting in 2017 to where it is now? Is it still the cool industry to be in? Is this what all the cool kids are doing? Uh, and if not, what's next? I have uh, I got a counter question for you. If it's not cool, does that affect your ability to stay in the space through 2019? I've been in here so goddamn long, I'm kind of stuck. So yeah. it <laughs> he's, he's in. He's in it to win it. I'm in it to win it. It doesn't matter to me, man. One yeah. Bitcoin's worth one Bitcoin. Like as long as that stays the same, I could care less what the price is. I mean, I'm in, I'm I'm in the same boat. Like I'm, I've 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 made a bet. That I'm gonna, it's like that I'm in it so far that I'm staking my career on it. I left everything else to be a professional as much as I can be and try to become an expert in this field. And so, like, and I, because I have a feeling like this stuff is gonna go, it's gonna be influential in some way, shape, or form. And my bet is that I'm gonna become an expert in it so that I can do something later on down the line when it is influential. Now, when that is, I don't know. What that price will be, I don't know. But like, like when it comes down like this, it affects me because like, you know, I, I work for a crypto company, things like that. It sucks. But like, I'm still really, really bullish on the technology. But the price, 
I mean, I was, I was, let's put it this way. I was living a lot easier when it was up at like, you know, $20,000 and $1,500 for ether. Yeah, I think we all, I think we all were. Um, and you know, I think that was also represented inside the hype around the industry. I mean, we've all been to the parties. Um, we've all been to the lavish events. Um, and we were on like this, this high rocker and, you know, it kind of hit me the other day, all the people who are representing these companies, uh, it's like, Oh, we're doing X, Y, and Z on the blockchain. Um, every single conference they were there. So how much work was really getting done uh, in the first place? And I think, you know, when you look at like the price predictions from like the pundits on TV, we all know who they are, your Lingams, your Strat fund guys. Um, it's now it's like, all right, Bitcoin was supposed to be at $15,000 this time. Uh, it was originally supposed to be like, what, like $25,000, $50,000 by the end of the year. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, I think moving into 2019, a lot of it's going to be like the boy who cried wolf. And a lot of these pundits just aren't going to be come back on TV anymore. And like the standard bearers that we have right now are going to fall out of relevancy. That's going to be very interesting. I think the winter is going to really start hitting. If I could answer on behalf of, uh, I don't know, I got a text message from an old colleague this morning and it said, just fuck Bitcoin is what it said. So I'm pretty sure he was like, I've lost so much money this year on Bitcoin. And between, he said, between Bitcoin and the stocks, I, I've lost so much money this year. And I was like, well, I mean, if, unless you sold, you didn't lose any money, right? Just purchasing power. And he was like, that doesn't mean anything to me. I look at the number <laughs> and it's lower. And I was like, well, I don't know what to tell you, man. Everybody's in the same exact boat. So think about the friends that he got along the way. Isn't that the best? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, Some I don't people don't care about that, Aaron. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's based on where we bought in. It's still really, really, really high. Like, Yeah, it's very true. And so like, yeah. it just got irrationally high. And then everyone, there's this massive hype around it from people who didn't quite understand it or why we were like, why we were into it so much earlier. And they got in, they're like, cool, it's going to keep going. We're like, and then now they're facing the brunt of what other people in the past have faced beforehand, where they put a significant amount of money in and then it tanked for a couple of years. And they're like, this is stupid. No one's going to use this. And that came back up again and it happened again. And it's going to continue to happen probably because like all of these pumps get pushed up way past the point of utility that they offer and speculation takes over and then people jump in because they keep hearing about all the speculation and it's on CNBC and all this crazy news channels and they buy in and then everyone takes profits and everyone's like, this is stupid. It's a broken technology. It's never going to work. But each like pump cycle, if you want to call them that hashtag Ronnie, uh, <laughs> too soon. <laughs> it, uh, like it, like the, the price where it levels off is, really a lot higher than it used to be i think the last time it leveled off it was like what maybe maybe 1500 at the most yeah it was um i remember it was 2014 right before the mount gox hacks and it pumped yeah past like a thousand which was like the big one yeah and then trailed off and then we have this thing but i think it's this time is a little bit different this is the first time we had a pump at like the world stage where it's like there's mainstream coverage um and i don't know like i mean is it going to recover it's all the you know, it all depends on what your definition of recover. Is it going to go back to 20,000? I, I don't know. But I'm also interested, like, what does this mean for, like, venture companies funding crypto companies now? Is, like, the hype gone? Um, a lot of these 1.0, I'm just coining it blockchain 1.0 companies, or really 2.0, um, with Bitcoin being the first real 1.0. Um, companies are now, it's, like, failing. We saw Basis taking uh, taking a hit and returning, like, $130 million dollars consensus is going through their whole uh spinning off and layoffs now what does that mean for the industry as a whole like are, 
in regards to like tech talent uh, retention, what what happens? Is everyone going to move to the next trend? We're all going to start being uh, machine learning experts or uh, sustainable farming gurus? <laughs> I don't know. Nobody knows the answer to that. I I hope not. Like this this that's one thing I witnessed. Um, <clears throat> the whole lesson. I don't know if you heard our most recent episode with this Ronnie Moaz guy was that he was full force into stock picking and then hopped onto a bull market at a very good time. And it looked like his uh, he was some sort of guru that could pick, pick these coins and knew which ones were going to go up and all that. But now it's starting to look like this market has chewed him up and it's about to spit him out. And that's just one of the things is that this brand new market, it needs more use and more quarries. But it's just not going to get that for a while. There's just yeah. not a lot of people at this point in time that are willing to jump on board and invest more than just money. And, yeah, that's. And then there's going to be a lot more Ronnie Moazes that see an opportunity to make a shit ton of money off of this budding industry and take it. And that's going to happen for a lot, a lot. Damn. Captain White Noise. Does anybody else hear that? Yeah, I hear it. Just fuck around. Cello's fuck around with the mic. <laughs> What's up? What I miss? What are we talking about? Cello was, was doing something in his, in his room. We also have Bruno on the on the line. Bruno, why don't you say what's up? From Brazil. Oh, I think Bruno he's is muted in all kinds of ways, so he'll he'll find it once he starts. Yeah, he's, he's at work. Or not at work, unless his boss is listening. Then he's definitely not at work. Wait, wait hey, guys, we're to, there we go. We're supposed to be a little better at this. Aram, thank you for your question. Stick around. And we're now. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna tra- we didn't transition very well. Thank you for your question. Stick around. We're gonna move on over to Bruno and see <laughs> see what he's got. Bruno. Hey guys. So my question would be more of a sort of how to introduce Bitcoin because, you know, in my side, it's it's more of trying to get them to know the technology before they know the price. And because the only thing we hear on mainstream, like the most thing people talk about it, it's, I don't know, maybe in Brazil, but it's how, you know, oh, it's worth that much. Oh, now it's worth this much. And people, when whenever you, you get somebody, oh, you know Bitcoin? The guy's like, oh. It, it just sucks. I know it's worth something, but now it's worth nothing. And you don't even have a an angle to attack the conversation or to try. You, you think it's better to, I don't know, maybe show is that a crypto, not, not saying Bitcoin, not, not giving a, a proper name, not showing. I don't know. It's just maybe it's a silly question, but it's just it's so hard. Like I work in a place with 50 people. And one, I'm the only one, we, we had people before, but with the crash, everybody was like, nah, man, I'm out of it. I don't even want to hear about it again, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, it's, it's a rough question. I, I think there, it's possible that people will stop naming a specific coin and start talking about like a decentralized web where you own, where you own your own data or like, or no one owns the data, but you own the permissions to move it around. Uh, I don't know, like there's... It's. I think it's sprung a lot of interesting projects that then could lead to a good narrative to introduce it to somebody. Because right now you're hearing, like I think not only was this year like um, difficult for crypto, there's a large a lot of crashes. I'd say, 
Um, but there's yeah. also a lot of a lot of exposure of everyone's personal and private data using the things that like a lot of people would consider the internet, like Facebook and Google and all these data breaches. And that's become much more common knowledge than it used to be in terms of like how much data other companies hold and control that's yours. And so like this technology is a way to move away against that, but we don't, there's not enough things that are useful to that many people where you can have, you can start to introduce it to them and they can hop on and start in, enjoying it the way like enjoying a decentralized internet where they control everything. I'm hoping that's like, if we can't say like, here's Bitcoin and don't care about the price because that's never going to happen. Um, we can start using that narrative and then the Bitcoin can be an aspect of that narrative. Kind of like here's money that you can control that no one else can like take away from you or censor you or like, you know, things like that. So yeah. can I chime in right here? Go for sure. it. Sure. Awesome. So yeah, I think the whole issue of the narrative that we're telling is that we're trying to sell technology. At the end of the day, nobody really gives a shit. Like for instance, if I said, hey, we created this video compression algorithm that's like, 10 times better than the latest codecs used by Google. You don't really care. But if I say, hey, I can get you low latency pornography, then your ears are going to perk. I think it's like, how do, you, how do you go and sell the technology and wrap it in a way that's not only like, it's it's interesting, like sell the technology, but sell it in a way that it's better than the incumbent. Because um, right now, even like I hear argument day in and day out, you can own your like digital assets. You can own your money. All right, well, that's, fine and dandy we all get that but for the average like layperson, um i.e like the customers we're trying to sell to you what's the difference between me owning like my bitcoin versus me owning like my bank account right now or owning my um like skins in fortnite i all own it like i can access it and then unless like there's a black swan event then like it's no longer there uh but it's like you know the whole narrative of, like oh you get to like truly own it that's such a big thing and like normal most people think that they already own their stuff I think well, I think that people don't realize the amount of data that they have that other people own. So like mm -hmm. say for instance if there's a use case where you could passively make money off your Fitbit data and not have to do anything <laughs> to to make that type mm -hmm. of thing, right? That'd be right. something people would want to do because they they're already <laughs> using this type of stuff. They have access to it and but if if like companies want to buy that type of thing, they could then make passive money off it as opposed to Fitbit making money off that data. So I think once again that's like a very that's like a very pie in the sky use case. And the reason why I'm saying that is like, all right, you know, you have like your own data and you like, all right, cool. I'm generating my stuff from my Fitbit, my Apple watch or whatever it might be. Um, but you know, if that's the case, it's like the reason why Apple, Facebook and Fitbit can make so much money off of my data. is not because they have my data, but they have hundreds of millions of people's data and they're able to sell that in bulk and get deeper, deeper analytics. So for a use case to come by and say like, oh, you can now can take control of your data and then do X with it. I mean, like, I'm not going to run a machine learning algorithm with my data. These third party services will do it. So I think the better thing is, it's like, if, if this is the problem with data and it's like, and, you know, I still want to have like this whole discussion, like what's the problem with Facebook using our data right now? Of course you can see it, but do I, do you think it's more appropriate for Facebook to go and say, hey, we're going to give you 50% of like what we sell your data for? That's an easier explanation and easier sell than going and over engineering um, this new blockchain solution like now you can control and then build up a wall. So it's like, you know, we can engineer something, but it's a lot easier with the incumbents to go and pivot. So it's what do we want as consumers and what do we want to do with your data? I think to answer Bruno's question though, is is more like I wouldn't introduce it to people at this point in time. 
I would just be an on-ramp that's easy for them to get on the highway. You know, like sometimes you're driving and there's an on-ramp that's like, ah, I might get run over by a truck. Let me just go down a quarter mile and go to the next on-ramp and go to the safer one. Just be that guy that's kind of a magnet of information for people because introducing them to Bitcoin at this point in time, especially at the cycle that's in where, you know, you can't mine it. Uh, Buying it's not going to get you a whole lot. There's not a lot of avenues to earn it. You just have to be this kind of open encyclopedia for people. And, you know, wear your Bitcoin T-shirts and your Bitcoin ties. And, you know, there people are going to have questions, obviously, because the longer it's around um, and it doesn't go away, the more more people will get curious again. They're like, that's not dead yet. And they're like, no, it's fine. Yeah. I heard the CEO was assassinated in Taiwan. You're like, well, you read weird news. Because that never happened. So yeah. <laughs> it brings up an interesting point, though. Like, why are we disrupting an industry where people don't even know it needs disrupting? You know what I mean? So, like, I think when we first started this podcast, we were approaching the revolution the wrong way. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> the I I I think that Bitcoin's toughest problem is it's not that big of a leap. And I've said this before on the show. And like, we went from gold, we went from like seashells and sand to gold then we went from gold to paper certificates and now we move from paper certificates to credit cards and plastic and we're going to move from plastic to tokens that we shoot off on our cell phones but you're just going from digital to digital so yeah. it's not that big of a leap and it gives- uh, i'd say i'd say it's it's quite in terms of maybe technology it's not that big of a leap yeah we have distributed consensus but like the ownership of it is a really big leap because there's nobody that really owns yeah. Bitcoin. That's a that's a huge but thing. That, it's not that part people don't give a shit about. Well, they may when you know <laughs> we, we've kind of like increased right. the kind of the globalization and, and and interacting with people across the world is way easier, especially in terms of like um, doing business with people across the world. When you have money that flows freely across the world, like that's that could potentially end up being a big thing if 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 you're talking with people and interacting with people across the world a lot more. And I think the world is moving in that trend. But the question to that is that is that a engineering problem that needs to be solved, or is that a human problem that needs politics? To be solved? I mean, that's that's a lot of politics. Yeah, yeah, because like you know, dealing with stuff like if I wanted to send Bruno something in Brazil right now, like it might be relatively difficult. The technologies existed. Like I can easily send him money with Venmo, with Square Cash. You know, I could send a lot more money than with Bitcoin. I mean, he'd probably have an easier time liquidating it. But if I want to send something to somebody to Iran or like Syria or someplace like that, you know, the payment rails are blocked, but that's an issue of politics. And, you know, if I send something with Bitcoin, yeah, the transaction went through, but I'm still subject to sanctions inside the United States. So is it much more of like a policy question and shifting that direction? Hmm. Maybe yeah, just the even existence question, yeah. of it. The fact that we're asking those questions is based on the, we have the technology that forced those questions. Otherwise, we never would have. That's very true. I think I think the biggest disruption uh, and people shit on it all the time. I think ICOs uh, disrupted the way tech startups usually get their funding. In fact, okay. I, I think the ICO replaced the IPO. Well, I, I guess people thought that, or even the first initial raise from VCs. But you know, if Uber wants to go public, are they going to choose Ethereum instead of the New York Stock Exchange? We're not, I don't think we're there yet. I don't think Bitcoin has disrupted anything. And if you look at the numbers, I don't even think what 0.001 of global payments is crypto. So, I mean, we're just a ways away. I, I think we should have this conversation just as the community as a whole. And like, I was fortunate enough to get into Bitcoin early, but I think 
looking at scale and like being out in the world, I think Bitcoin's flawed and it's kind of stupid from an economic standpoint where, you know, we have a big problem in the United States for like income inequality right now, where it says, you know, Jeff Bezos has $150 billion. That's, that's, that's a lot of money, but let's nah. say Bitcoin really got, yeah. But if like, if Bitcoin <laughs> got to scale, we've got, we know people who own 1% of Bitcoin, 3%. And do you really want to live in a world where somebody owns 3% of not GDP, but all like the M1 monetary supply? That's a very scary thing. And so, you know, what do you deal with even distribution of like wealth and power? Because, you know, we see this right now, even though everybody like, oh, anybody can have access to the Bitcoin blockchain, which is like a beautiful thing. The people who control it, Jihan Wu, Roger Mayer, all these other people have significant amounts of Bitcoin and they can like move their influence around. And so, you know, there needs to be more stability and better distribution of these assets, because if the world switched to Bitcoin right now, we've all seen the numbers. Every man, woman, child will get like point zero 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 like two six Bitcoin. Uh, versus other people will have like 1%, 3% of everything. And majority of the people will be asked out. It's like a really crappy economic solution. I think the untested theory, though, is to take advantage of the decimal points. Mm-hmm. Like if everybody has 0.002 Bitcoin, it's okay because it goes to 0.00200000 or something like that. Yeah, right? but that's... yikes. I guess that's interesting that we say like, all right, cool, this is like a millibit coin or, you know, you've got like X amount of Satoshis, but people have problems giving out tips at restaurants, calculating 20%. Yeah. You really think they're going to be able to do move to the decimal side? The I don't apps think so. do it for them. It's too hard. The apps <laughs> do it for you and the receipts do too nowadays. What's the point? That's, that's, very, that's very true. <laughs> but, you know, another argument, I would love to see somebody make this case, but like how much is one, how much is a Big Mac um, in Bitcoin? And not by like the dollar amount right now. How much is how much is a Big Mac in Bitcoin? 0.01%? 0.01%? A little less than 0.01%? Percent? Of, of Sorry, 0.01 Bitcoin. Sorry. No, it's it's that's it's a, less that's than that. That's an expensive Big Mac. Yeah, for real. No, 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 wait, <laughs> it's a real wait. expensive Big Mac. Nobody's going to be able to, nobody's going to be able to calculate that like well, at the calendar when they're about to order right? food. Point <laughs> yes. Zero one. Less than point zero. That's his point. We're still we're still fiat right. maximalists. We calculate everything right. in a dollar amount. Yeah. And then you you guys <laughs> got to talk about people uh, what about people that don't have skin in the game at all? Like you know, we have a great article like Walmart has established a supply chain database on blockchain. Okay. Well, how are you going to get a bunch of mango harvesters to actually update the status of a mango on the blockchain? How are you going to get? How are you going to do that? There's uh, two. So there's where I'd come in as a business management consultant. I could help you. <laughs> process. There's a lot. There's way more shitty business management consultants than there are good ones. So good luck. <laughs> I got your mangoes for you. Bird got the well, here, okay, here's a, here's an interesting question for for everyone. Uh, all right, say you know the whole like the like ideological vehicle that everyone came out for fails. And the only thing that comes from blockchain, quote unquote blockchain, is that we made um, current infrastructure, internet infrastructure, and uh, business management and uh, managing the specifics of companies more efficient and better. Did we do a good job? Is it, are, we, are, we, are we a better world? I don't know. Maybe. I think it's like, <laughs> it, it's interesting. It's like it's a really it's a beautiful idea where it's like you can own your data. It's like you can do what you want. You can transport your assets. Um, you know, don't lose your private keys, but like, it's something definitely there. I think it's, somebody's going to make a great book or a movie, but it's taking the culture of like cypherpunks with burners, um, and then, you know, a splash of drug dealers in Wall Street and you came up with Bitcoin. But I think like the bigger impact of the technology now, it's like, all right, cool. Um, 
we can now have these new vehicles to transport value. And if you get to scale, it's very, it's lucrative. That's, you know, there's a couple of things that like we can learn from an ideological standpoint, from a technical standpoint. Um, you know, the idea of consensus is very fascinating, especially when you like apply that to like masses. Uh, voting is really strong applications out of that. And it's like the value of making sure that something is extremely redundant over 10,000 instances. And it's like, you can't shut them down because there's always a record backed by cryptography. There's something of extreme value there. But, you know, there's also, I, I think the narrative of decentralization was perverted from the beginning um, and then championed by people. But if you look at it, it's like, and it's going back to the example of Bitcoin. It's like, all right, cool, decentralization, you know, you get to own your things, da, 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 da. But the problem with decentralization, um, as it stands right now, especially with the Bitcoin blockchain, if we all convert it to Bitcoin, that's a global currency. Um, we're all stuck using Bitcoin. What if I want to break off to something else? What if I want to take my US dollars to Naira? I have my freedom to do that. But with Bitcoin, you're infinitely stuck. And that's like massive centralization. So and what, do you, what do you think about the statement, you know, I don't believe in Bitcoin, but I believe in blockchain. Are, are you kind of in that camp a little bit? No, 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 no. no, no. I, I'm like, I, I believe what's appropriate. Like it's all situational. Um, Bitcoin's appropriate for some really good things. And then blockchain may be appropriate for some other things as well. Um, distributed databases are open databases where um, people can come and go and like see access to stuff. I'm in the camp for that. I'm not going to be like, oh, blockchain, not Bitcoin. That, that's stupid. I think blockchain works because you have Bitcoin and you're able to generate consensus. There's an economic incentive. Um, and I think, you know, now that we're, you know, closing out this 2.0 window, we know it works. We know that doesn't work. There's a shit ton of research on economics and incentives. And I think if somebody was going to design like a, like a real cryptocurrency, you have to back it with, um, like a physical asset. So for instance, yeah, there's enough money in this space for us to go and get together and buy one of two things. We can go buy a glacier or we could go and buy a factory that generates a lot of penicillin. And the reason why I say penicillin is that it's easy, it's cheaply manufactured. That is There's a very some... strange like dichotomy yeah. of things you can buy. Exactly. Yeah, but I could buy a shit ton of penicillin. And the reason why I want to do that and why it brings back to Big Macs and cheeseburgers is that, all right, cool. If there's like a hard asset that we can back a currency to, we can say, hey, we're going to create X coin. And one X coin's worth one tablet of penicillin, all right? Or like 10 tablets of penicillin. What is that good for for a human? Well, in us, like in like America, you know, we don't really use penicillin like talking about, I don't know. Um, but in developing nations, like go and prevent different diseases, it's like a valuable asset. And so if you go and set up that liquid pair saying like, oh, this is how much, um, <clears throat> this is how much X is worth. Um, it's 10 penicillin tablets. All right, cool. What are you willing to trade for like your health? I'd be willing to trade like Big Macs for that. And then you can go build it up a bigger scale. How much is a Honda Sonata in penicillin? It's like, because if you really want to start dealing with commodities, people should really start thinking about that. And penicillin's stable enough for us to go and manufacture where it's like we can always have a constant amount of it. So it's what the study needs to be done. It's like, how do you go and like make pairs against commodities? You know, it's like the Jack and the Beanstalk, or it's like, hey, I'll give you three beans for that cow or so on and so forth. How much is coffee to like, snap peas or cocaine to coca-cola what is like the pairing between those yeah so i was what i was thinking earlier on like during the ico boom i i came up with this kind of um potential future uh that could maybe still happen but it's like almost like a hearkening the ico boom made me feel like we were hearkening back to the bartering days but we but we didn't have to worry about the coincidence of once or like Mm. 
like if I have a goat and I want chicken, I have to find someone who has chickens and wants a goat because we have this like decentralized liquid market of all assets paired with all other assets. Well, potentially, right? Mm-hmm. And so like I, whatever, no matter what I create or have, I can always buy the thing I want through some type of decentralized marketplace that has automatic price discovery. I thought that was a really cool idea, which then led me to believe of like, you know, either like maybe like a, it's a world of blockchains or a world of assets and people do it, people digitize tokens on whatever they end up making and finding value in those things and then trade it for um, whatever they want based on the automated price discovery. That was an interesting idea. And I can see a world where that actually exists, but I don't, I don't, I don't, now that the ICO boom is over, I, I would say ICOs will still exist, but they're not nearly as prolific as they used to be. At least for right. now, I don't. I don't know if that's the way we go anymore, or if we all consolidate into a single place where we, are, like, like you were saying, that has its consequences too. Even though Bitcoin is a decentralized technology, if it's the one thing everything uses, then it becomes a centralization of, of like value. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. Is it, is it in between? Are those two? Are those two like completely opposite from each other? I think it's like if you want to have the centralization of value, that's interesting. Um, you know, it's like, where where do you want to go from there? It's like, all right, we're going to centralize all this value. Then how do you evenly distribute it? Do you evenly distribute it? And it's like, all right, cool. If we do it evenly, then we're living in communism. And we haven't seen any communism examples work. Or maybe, no, I, I don't think it, I, let me let me rephrase that. I don't think it'd be communism. Be, you'd let free market decide. If we gave everyone $10,000, inevitably, somebody's going to get $100,000 and somebody's going to be like, have $100. But that money's constantly cycling. I think that'd be a very interesting experiment where we're all going to give somebody ten thousand dollars. The best of the best is going to have like great products and then go from there and make more money, and then so on and so forth. And people who like don't contribute, they'll, they'll lose it. I mean, it doesn't matter economically. It doesn't matter what system do you think of on your on your whiteboard or on your fancy digital whiteboard if you're into that kind of thing. There's, <laughs> there's always going to be haves and have-nots. That's just the way cookie crumbles on that exactly you know what we need in crypto we we need a benevolent dictator <laughs> i think that's i think you know nobody's i don't think it's metallic and roger bears can't do it or jihan mcafee. mcafee mcafee nah i don't know i give mcafee like 10 15 years bro i give him like, 10 thumbs down 10 thumbs down i i hope you're, you're just jealous of this assault rifle collection i have i have an, like i have guns it's not like that's not that's not weird to me i'm a texan yeah but you don't spread them out on your bed and take selfies with them you don't know that and you just don't publish it you don't know <laughs> you don't know me same for him <laughs> uh no but i think it's it, mcafee i hope I, I as much as i would love bitcoin to go to a million dollars by 2020 i also want to see mcafee eat his dick on tv so it's like oh, he's know. already covered his base you didn't see that Oh, he's not doing it. He said he would he would delegate that task to a bunch of hookers. Yeah. Oh, Wait wow. to chop it off, so he's not cutting. It no, himself. to eat it, and by eat it, he means just like put it in their I mouth. Don't have, I don't want to have this conversation. Oh, we went there. Anyway, hey Bruno, never let you're back. Bruno's <laughs> back. Let's let's let him let's let him ask more <laughs> questions. Ah, guys, yeah, it, it it all makes a lot of sense, you know. You know, the, the, the main point of how to approach people to talk about crypto, you know, from from <clears throat> my point would be, I don't want to talk about price. Like, it's just technology, you know, them to, to forget that there is a value to it. It's just another 
let's say Web 3.0, as, as everybody says. Something, which, which one would be the best, like Ethereum or XRP? Or because BTC is burned, you know. It's, anyone you you speak to, there has a little bit of knowledge and doesn't really get the the, the technology and all of that. They they really hey, don't even start it, you know. I lost already money and I I put it in a hundred bucks, a thousand dollars, and now I I took out sixty. And that's the hardest thing. I always try to push it to people, and I was like, hey. You know this. You, you you can check it out. There's this website where you can see things. It's just, yeah. I I don't really have many questions. That would be the the no, hardest thing. I don't know if you can. I, like I, as much as I like the idea of separating the technology from the price, I don't think you can because the technology works because it has value, and. Like the only way that like Bitcoin can exist if it, is if it has values. The consensus mechanism doesn't work because, um, like it's digital scarcity. It, like anything that's scarce has value based on, you know, whoever wants to use it, and that's the reason why people mine, which gives it the security guarantees that you have, which gives it like the decentralization factor and all these things that we boast about these this this technology, and so like, I don't think you're ever gonna get rid of the price. It's just. Um, I don't know if it needs to be the only thing you talk about. It's uh, that that combination of things has to be kind of uh, like at the forefront. And I don't know how you're ever going to make that distinction. Like maybe the price just has yeah. to be more stable, and you have a, a better distribution, like an e a more even distribution of the people who are using it, you know, working for it, so on and so forth, so that it's not nearly as volatile. And then. Like the price that becomes somewhat of a, of a backdrop of a conversation to the utility that it provides for for everyone, but the price will always be there, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, and sure. I would I would just like to add that point zero one percent of a bitcoin would be a thousandth of a bitcoin. Oh God, a little less, which is a little <laughs> less than four dollars, which would be the price <laughs> of a Big Mac. So, boom! I did the DMX thrust thing <laughs> to you guys. Um, the thing about it is like the uh, you can't separate the price from Bitcoin, and this is something that like Corey or any Chello or any I, real blockchain that gives value. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is like Corey Cello and I have like had discussions about is that like the every single one of these hype cycles, every single person that is new entering the space is new hearing because they're like, "Whoa, Bitcoin's not dead! Holy shit, it's worth thousands of dollars now!" Damn it, I missed the boat. Let me go try and see if I can jump on that boat. Yep. That's that's just the nature of the beast. That's you can't avoid that. There's maybe one person in that group of a hundred people that's like, oh, I read this interesting scientific journal about Bitcoin, and I would like to pursue this for research purposes and to fulfill my natural intellectual curiosity. No, fuck that. Like 99 out of 100 of those people are like, what? I'm trying to make some money. And then like you slowly peel <laughs> off. You slowly peel off the people that are let more and more um, superficial about that energy. And then you get this core of new people that are bought in for more than just the ability to make a lot of money. And that cycle is going to rinse and repeat itself until hopefully we reach a point where this stuff is ubiquitous. That's what we all hope for. Um, we need to bring back the Silk Road. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's bring it back. Let's. I mean, I there's mean, still like, dark markets. Do I don't. I don't know what you're yeah. talking about. It's like they, the no, dark no markets went away. 
Yeah, they're not popping like they were back in the day. So, yeah, so, so that's holding Bitcoin up the entire time, just like dark web markets. You know, so I mean, there, there. What's your call? Not what you call. Coinbase made an interesting, um, uh, I guess, proclamation. You say is that like Bitcoin's first phase was like <laughs> this mining phase, where mining was super distributed, and lots of people could just hop in the game and make a lot of crypto by mining. Um, but then it shifted away from that this last hype cycle, and it was buying crypto was the fastest and best way to get a lot of crypto um, and taking place in the markets. And now we've it looks like we're leaving that where I honestly think institutions have been in this for a while. And now they're doing whatever the hell they want with this price and they're making a lot of money doing it. And <laughs> and the average Joe can't get in on this anymore. It's just not going to work. So I think now we're kind of moving into this phase that Coinbase kind of proclaimed is like now, now is the earning time. You're going to see a lot more companies maybe offering like, hey, here's a way to earn some crypto if you can. And then so I took that and I digested that. And then what? Where do you go from there? And I thought that's no different than the way things exist now in the current financial system is that like there was yeah. a small there's a small group of people that benefit a lot and have the most. They're the haves. Me, myself, in that system, I have not. I'm going out and trying to earn. Some company is paying me in whatever that currency, my USD, to go earn. And I'm waking up and I'm going and I'm earning. I'm not a part of the conversations that generate the credit and full faith in the United States that generates value that the U.S. generates. I'm not in that conversation. Many moons ago, I wouldn't have been in the conversation of the guy mining gold. The guy that's mining gold and is part of that conversation. No, I'm I'm just trying to earn this stuff. And so, so we're back at oppressing the poor, disenfranchised <laughs> women and minorities. Damn, we uh, came full circle. <laughs> I mean, hopefully not. I don't think I don't think it's gonna happen like that again. But you know what's the most interesting thing I've heard all year about crypto in like nobody, nobody, nobody is talking about this or touching it at all. Is except for us. Except right for me, I don't, yeah, 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 I'm bringing it up. This is hot takes. This is where you need to invest indigenous finance, um, yeah. specifically inside of like Canada because it's so interesting. So there's like 620, um, what are they called? Uh, indigenous nations of first world people. Um, they're all sovereign nations and they've had sovereign digital rights on their like laws since like 98. And these companies, through grants from the government and smart investing, have like endowments of like billions of dollars. And like, they're still not very tech savvy, but it's like when you tell them about blockchain, like, oh yeah, we know digital sovereignty. We're sovereign citizens. We understand that moving. I think if anything, that's my biggest prediction for 2019. The biggest adoption of Bitcoin or crypto by far isn't going to be in the United States. It's going to be sovereign nations of like first world people or indigenous people, specifically in like Canada and like the Midwest. Cause it's like, you remember the Iroquois or the Hadina mm -hmm. Sani from like AP his, AP us history. Well, <laughs> yeah. they're back with a vengeance and they're coming for your crypto. Um, <laughs> I hope, I hope that's the narrative this year. That'd be a really awesome narrative this year. No, that but I, I really awesome. think like, and nobody's talking, I met this uh, woman who was like focused on it and she was like, she's like, yeah, you know, it's fun. I met her on Tinder. And then she was like, yeah, blockchain. Da, 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 da. I was like, well, what do you do? She's like, yeah, working on indigenous finance. I was like, what? And it's like, just blew my mind. And I think, mm. um, I, I definitely think that would be it because then it's like, oh, these are real people, sovereign citizens um, that have like legally own all their data. And in addition to that, it's like, hey, now it's like we're taking our money. And so it's like, I forgot, I think it was the Iroquois Nation, like up in upstate New York. And it's like, all right, cool. 
now they can easily transact um, against different places. All our technology can go be tested in like real countries with real people. We're just looking in the wrong places. Okay. All right. Like so we have a we have a we have a few more people that joined us. I don't know who joined us by telephone, but why don't you say hello? Hey, yeah, this is uh, JT. I'm on phone and in meet. Oh, look at you! You're, you're coming in through both both channels. Double and down. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to miss it, you know. Nice. So what's up? Uh not much. You guys are just a uh, more more uh, accessible time. So just finished lunch. What are you guys talking oh. about other than? Are you mean Saturday people? morning at, on on the on the what, on the East Coast is is difficult for people to bake. Uh, I'm up. <laughs> I can make sure we're up. Uh, not sure if the wife would be happy to pop out and talk crypto for a while, but I mean, don't don't you like sweet nothing, sweet whisper, sweet crypto nothings into her ear before you go to bed? Yeah, that uh, that worked up until about um, March <laughs> of 2018. I'm so rich, baby. Nope. <laughs> Um, yeah, crypto nothings are a little less sweet these days. For for those of you that know don't, don't know, JT actually submits the uh, a week to be in crypto. Uh, would you call it a newsletter, JT, or just like, hey, this is just some musings that I had in the past week, and he submits it to the the Bitcoin Podcast Network publication. So this is what he sounds yeah, just, like. Uh, I would say it's more of just a general kind of my thoughts for the week on what's going on in crypto. And then, uh, you know, a few things, few tokens I'm watching or buying and then uh, curated content or just, you know, articles, podcasts, I'm full-time crypto. So I get a chance to read and listen to a lot of different stuff. So the things that kind of jumped out at me, I put that in there. We've been doing it for a while now. Have, would you say that um, just consistently making uh, some type of publication or some type of content that that tries to curate all of the things that are available has given you a particular bias on the space or made you better at understanding what's going on or like what what has been the effect of just like consistently creating material based on what's happening in the crypto sphere as D now puts it. Uh, I, and there's so much going on. I think what's what it has helped is kind of splitting the narrative uh, in my own head a little bit uh, early on. A lot of people, including myself, you get the, I want to make use this as an opportunity to make money versus I'm really into the technology and the general ethos and the ideas behind everything. Um, you get this kind of conflated, um, you know, as an individual investor, like no one, like your money isn't going to make a difference <laughs> anywhere, anywhere. Uh, so if you want to help, the space move forward, you know, use your time, skills, you know, follow things, talk to people, contribute. That's the best way you can help that way. Um, but I think we all agree there's a lot of opportunity to better your financial situation. You start mixing those two kind of feelings uh, and, you know, focuses, and you're going to run into some issues. So I think that's where a lot of people got that ran into problems earlier in the year uh, when they didn't sell. Um, so I think that's been one of the bigger helps has really been um, figuring out how to think about the space for me. 
and then trying to put that in there in a way that I can kind of reconcile how I want to split my time and what kind of goals I set for myself. So I think writing about it forced myself to kind of sit down and think a little more about it at least once a week um, helps with that. Hmm. You do have a unique uh, lens being able to curate all this stuff. Not a lot of people have that much time. I just, I just don't think, well, it's not, it's just your, yeah. it's your job. Like you've got to stay up to right. date and you have to know what's going on and how everything's moving. So appreciate I mean, it. If we try and take that over to like these crypto VC companies, it's their job to stay, you know, in line with what's going on and try and, and bet on the next, you know, on, I guess the killer apps of next year or the future. But like being in this space hurts. Like if you're fully on, in the space, especially if your if your job is to invest in things and then make profits from those investments, then you're hurting. And like, I'm curious to see like what what could have been really really fantastic infrastructure and funding models um, that end up dying. What effect that has on how things move forward, right? Like, say for instance, like there is like really good companies that invested on other really good companies that have the potential to change the way we use the internet, uh, how this technology gets adopted, so on and so forth. But because of this crash, they have to go under and the, and the projects can no longer continue. What are we doing? Yeah. Like, because like- well, Hopefully folks learned a lot from I mean, the ICO crazy and people raised so much money and there was a lot of questions about how do you manage that? Um, are you also a uh, money manager? <laughs> Should you be handling things that way? Should you just sell it all straight into cash? And then what is your kind of, what do you owe back to the space? Not only to things that you would like to fund because it'll help you uh, directly versus, okay, we had an opportunity, made a bunch of cash. Let's, let's give back a little bit. I mean, there, I guess that's relevant this week with Vitalik just throwing some cash out at some folks. Um but it seems like it would have been nice for some of those projects early on to, to figure out something a little better rather than just kind of, you know, keeping it all and then watching it all fizzle away. So maybe, maybe you know, it's great to have these easy money raising mechanisms, but it can almost be, you know, worse <laughs> than, uh, you know, the old way of doing it. It's It's definitely this like, strange rubik's cube we've opened the ico opened this i don't know if it's a pandora's box just throwing all sorts of box likes things out there yeah, yeah. One of their sticks. he's really but, in the boxes this week <laughs> that's right this is a box kind of show so uh, know, it's, it's, we have we have what seven people on like in this in this meet ooh. right now and i know andy is busy he just joined us so uh at at, at the cost of him potentially having to leave us soon say what's up andy Hey guys, uh, it's good to see you. I just wanted to stop in. I missed the last live recording. I don't have a good question today, but I saw the prices up, so I know Cello must be happy. Whoa, whoa. Damn. <laughs> That's the first thing Cello has said in like the last 30 minutes. I was, I was actually wondering about it. If there's a, is there a reason behind it? Have you guys talked about that at all? Is there like an end of year bump? Are people oh, I trying have, to. I have no idea. Mm, hookers. Right. Hookers and blow. No one knows. So if you haven't talked about it, if you haven't talked about it, here's what I suspect. And this is off minimal thinking, but I'm suspecting <laughs> that 
there's an end of year bump as people are trying to grab their Christmas bonuses for the institutional investors. So they made a big gamble at the beginning of the year, putting some money in and hoping to do a little trading and it's totally tanked, right? Mm -hmm. So potentially, and this is all speculation, of course, but potentially they're trying to get their end of year bonuses so that it's not a complete loss for them. Um, I don't know what that foresees for the long term, but that, that's what I would guess for now. We might see a nice little float here until mid-January would be my hunch. I mean, Dee D loves his, his seasonal behavior. He talks about it a lot. Uh, is, does that come into play here, Dee, based on your, your, your previous, like, looking at the seasonal price fluctuations? All of the seasonal patterns before this year, they've all been broken. They've, except so it's all like, garbage. So it's like seasonal price fluctuations are don't aren't working anymore. There, that model's officially broke. So that 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 broke back in March, when we typically have like a spring bump, and there was supposed to be an early summer bump, and that didn't happen. Usually, there's like a slow uptick from late October to early December, and that didn't happen. And that's that's why I am I am thinking that like the institutions have been in this a while. And they're just taking this where they want it to go. Aram, you're making a face. I muted you. I can mute you. <laughs> and so if you were talking um, and nobody was listening, it's because I muted you a while ago. I'm sorry. Uh, I'll start announcing that. But um, yeah, those those patterns are broken. And that could be true. I just think that there's, there's no way to kind of predict these upticks anymore. And there's really nothing you can bank on because those patterns are broke. So... Broke. Broke's in the house. Speaking of broke, do you think Jesse's in the house? Do you think the increase in participation in the? uh, Do you think the increase in call-ins is more related to the time or the price? Both. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but from having run the Slack for what almost four years now, whenever there are price bumps, we get an uptick in people wanting to just talk. Whenever the price is dropping, everybody's like, fuck that uh, slack. I'm not going. I'm not There's an inconvenient amount of people in here right now, but it's all good. <laughs> I think we're sitting at eight, eight or nine now. I got it. Now, JT's two people, so that doesn't count. Right, I got one more thing because I got to go back to work. Um, this is not price related, I don't think. This is Andy. Um, uh, uh, two more things. One, hopefully with this price bump, people can afford to buy your book. I'm going to try and hook you up. Um, nice. We'll, we'll get that out there. Good plug. I like that our fans plug our shit more than we do. <laughs> I like you guys. We, we like you guys. Um, and uh, the third thing is, I, I'm starting to hear in my industry, which I'm not going to talk about any specifics due to reasons, um, but I'm starting to hear a lot more discussion about um, distributed ledger technology, not as blockchain, not as crypto, but as the distributed technology that works for specific use cases. So, you know, earlier this year and last year, I feel like in the middle, there was a lot of talk about, well, crypto is great, but this technology is really going to be invisible. That is absolutely starting to happen. And it's real use cases. Um, and I, I wish I could bring specifics. I'll probably be able to next year. Um, but so based, wanna... on, based on what I know about what you do and what we were just pre- previously talking about, <gasps> um, like I was asking like the question on whether or not it's a good thing if if what if the actual outcome or one of the major outcomes of this whole movement, this whole blockchain, crypto, whatever the hell you want to call it movement, is that we've made traditional infrastructure, finance infrastructure, um, the back end supply chain of large corporations, et cetera, just more efficient. Nothing else happened. And I, and that's going to happen, in my opinion. This technology is useful for all of those things, but when you have a um, open, fair consensus mechanism, but then becomes something that's much larger and very different. So, like, you're going to have 
movements on both sides of the coin where like we try and figure out how to use things like um, a quality sound money like Bitcoin and open uh, global computer like Ethereum that have these kind of fair consensus mechanisms so that have like open value to them. And you'll also have private versions of these things that just make the back end of companies much more efficient. And I think both of those things are good. But what if the open part fails? Did we fail completely? Um, so, so that's an awesome question. I feel like I've talked a little bit about this before in Slack is what the internet did the same thing as crypto is it opened up um, speech to everyone. It was this open form and anybody could come and talk. And over time, as the internet matured, really what happened is the dominant companies with money came in and took over the space. And now there's a handful of big corporations that really kind of own speech online. That doesn't mean there's no free speech online. In fact, we can go a lot of places. We can go to Slack. We can come podcast. And and this is not for the mass majority of people that are in the, uh, the Bitcoin podcast Slack. Um, it's for a small subset of people who can find each other, who can really have interesting conversations. The internet enabled that. So yeah, Twitter and Google and all the news organizations, they really run most of the internet, but there are more options than there were. I think crypto and blockchain is really doing the same thing with finance. Yeah, the banks are going to hang on to things. Government's going to hang on to a lot of things with finance, but it's going to enable independent research. It's going to enable independent funding. Um, it's going to enable people to to build their own mini economies. Um, oh, trademark that. That's a good word. Uh, these new mini economies <laughs> around uh, advancement. It's hey, definitely uh, in the media. He's like, immediately like, trademark that. That's ours. We own that now. <laughs> I'll, I'll take your answers off the air whenever this posts because I got to go back to work. But it's great to see you guys. Sorry I couldn't catch up with you late, uh, yesterday, Corey, but uh, we'll catch you guys later on. Always a pleasure, Thank Dr. Boyan. Peace. I think that kind of touches on my uh, every if – you, if you join the Slack, then you're fortunate enough to experience my second cup of coffee rambles that I go on sometimes. <laughs> And this morning I kind of touched on like what we're what it looks like we're going to do is just create ultra middlemen, which I don't know, like Corey, to answer your question, I don't know if that's good or bad. I just know that that's going to happen because the technology is kind of undeniable and it's open source. So if it's open source, then the people with like the human energy to throw behind it and the money to put the time behind it, they're going to figure out how to use it and they're going to figure out how to use it to their advantage. So, um, oh, then like that, it's really about what Andy just said. It's that like that that will happen, but we have options. We have, we've, we have enabled micro communities to exist based on using the open source technology or like the open blockchains that enable them to do things that they couldn't do beforehand. We've made yeah. big things more efficient, maybe better what they do, but they still have to answer to the choices we have elsewhere. And if the choices are good enough, then the larger companies have to cater to them and then make themselves better so that they can provide that same service. Yep. And if and if freedom and privacy and owning your own data becomes an issue and something that people are aware of and demand, then that's going to force companies to then change the way they act. And if that's if that's the the case, then we like it's a huge victory for for the world in general. In my opinion. Victory. So, Jesse is here. What's up, broke? Say something. Yo, what's going on? I heard you're doing very well in the world of streaming video games. Mm, sure. <laughs> Dr. Enthusiasm. Humble, humble broke. <laughs> I got a big mouth, Jesse. 
I got you t-shirts <laughs> and everything. No, I didn't. But I was like, yo, it's number one in North America. No, I didn't hear that from D. I went to like uh, streamingvideogames.com and you were the head story. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> um welcome jesse welcome jesse, jesse and i are actually gonna record just the headers a little bit after we record <laughs> here um i'm sure it's gonna be the same level of enthusiasm regulations 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 oh price regulations headlines are the same but uh i think you should maybe try and like spread out your where you're getting your headlines from well we'd have to pay for that so why, why? Yeah, the, how, how many news sources are you are you pulling in to read headlines from i'm pulling in from nine but uh, it the automation counts how many times those feeds are pinged and they're each one of those nine things releases about five articles a day so that's 45 automation cycles a day how about it's you don't pay for the how don't, you don't cite the source unless they pay you you just read the headline i don't think you can do that can you do that yeah i think that's illegal I'm pretty sure that's you can't just take everybody's work. I mean, well, I mean you're, you're not reading it verbatim; you're just discussing it. it. Jesse reads it verbatim. Oh, Jesse, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and this is how podcasts are made, everyone. <laughs> yeah. So, Jesse, uh, you got the floor. Do you want to like ask a question, make a statement? Do you want to? What do you want, man? You got the mic; it's yours. Oof, I I feel like I kind of wanted to be part of that conversation that was happening earlier before I came in. Because that seemed kind of interesting. How do you know about the conversation if you weren't here? Well, I heard how it ended. I, heard, I didn't hear how it began or with the middle chunk of it, but I liked how it ended. Well, I'll bring it up. Give us your opinion. So when you were talking about how distributed ledger technology is going to change the way financial uh, infrastructure works as far as making banks more maybe transparent because people want that. People will demand their privacy back. People will demand ownership over their data to some degree. I mean, I think that's that's interesting. And I I, I personally don't have like a hand in the the technology that's being developed, but like for you at uh, where you're working, do you do you know of any interesting projects that could potentially have future ramifications that you know we would be interested in knowing about? I mean status. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> clearly I'm working there. That's the so plug plug like some projects that you're working on. I don't know. Like, that you I think don't. I don't know. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a broad thing. Like it's it's the people trying to create um, the antithesis of what the current how the current companies work and trying. But they, right right now, in the process of doing that, coming from firsthand experience, it's a really hard thing to do. Is to like create some type of. Like for status, we're trying to create a secure and private messenger that's decentralized. Uh, that like we're, we have to push the boundaries of technology to make sure that we do that correctly. So we provide those features. That's you know we can like someone can download an app in like a very convenient way through an app store, and then they can you know get access to anybody else that they want to, but not expose uh, sensitive information like automatically having to add their phone number. And then they don't have to route through, you know, various servers, like, you know, centralized servers to to send messages. And so, like, the process of creating the usability and convenience that everyone's comfortable with, while also providing, like, advanced security, privacy, decentralization, 
and not asking for any information from the user. So having giving them like selective disclosure on how they do things with people that interact. All of this is really, really, really hard. And this is just secure and private messaging. So like the so status is like yeah. Telegram with banking. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's like we have access to like any any Ethereum blockchain stuff. You either have a you have a wallet with all your keys, all your funds and stuff, or at least anything on Ethereum. But like, it's it's really hard to do that and to do it with like the performance of a centralized server because like <laughs> Telegram works because it doesn't actually encrypt anything. And like, you know, like there's not doing these advanced uh, cryptography stuff to en enable the privacy, like the, the user to have selective disclosure on what they send to people when they send it out. Or like, uh, if, you if you think about identity, like you are, the medium is the message and your, your identity is confined to the medium you use. And so if you are trying to use an app, who you are when you talk to people within that app is confined to how that app lets you talk. And if the features aren't good, it doesn't allow you to like expose certain things or have options on certain things that you can never really truly be yourself. And so I think what a lot of this space is, if we take that analogy and expand it, is, is try and allow the user to control and disclose as much as they want about themselves while maintaining all that control. And it's really, really hard to do while also being convenient because everyone's got this intuition on like, there's you know ADHD that you can't hold somebody's attention or they won't if you add any friction they just use something else that's easier, especially if they don't care. And so like how do you how do you enable people to be better humans of the internet or citizens of the internet while also keeping their attention and making them care? And I think that's what a lot of these pro I can't name specific projects, but that's what I think the ones who are trying to do something or who make will make an impact are trying to solve that problem. Jesse, specifically on the banking side of things, there's a whole uh, group, I guess, of projects. Uh, I guess they've been going up by DeFi. I think it's just decentralized fa uh, finance. But there's like a Telegram group that they're part of. But it's, I think it's somewhat unofficial, but it's a lot of decentralized finance projects. So um, Dharma or lending, um, Republic Protocols in there with their dark pools. Uh, Uniswap, I think, is part of it. Uh, which, uh, if anyone hasn't checked out Uniswap, it's really cool. Fully decentralized. It's like an exchange protocol where there's really no central exchange component at all. Um, I think it's going to be if those things are able to become more primitive that people can build. You know, the, the parts that really matter, the the back end kind of mechanics of everything, if that can become fully decentralized, um, or at least fully transparent and you can kind of at least trust the the mechanisms behind it. There's still be, it need to be businesses on top. I'm working on an insurance, decentralized insurance pro, uh, project. And, you know, you still need to have an insurance company to issue insurance because of laws and <laughs> things like that. Um, but I think getting those backend components um, right that you can then build real businesses on top of um, is kind of what we kind of all hope I think will will happen. So decentralized services offered on top of centralized services because we have to follow laws of centralized government. What about Ripple usurping the definition of DLT, even though it really isn't? 
I don't think you will because it isn't. Like who who cares? <laughs> I mean, it's, it really depends <laughs> on like what you're, what you're trying to do. Um, you know, if you're talking about like just what's the ideal. I mean, the way I see things playing out is that we're going to have these kind of base layer primitives and protocols that you can build things off of. But you kind of hopefully that's decentralized. Like what actually moves the money, which deci- what decides, you know, what's going to go where. But getting things onto the system, getting people in the system, you know, associating people to services, I think that has to be remain centralized, at least for a while. Like the relayer mechanism for like exchanges and things like that, you can have, you know, like zero X protocol, you can have the same underlying protocol for um, trading uh, ERC-20 tokens. But if you want to actually have a website that people log into and trade things, it has to abide by, you know, the, the people uh, allow the users to abide by the regulations of the jurisdiction they live in. Like you're just not going to get around that, and you know, be very, 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 very difficult to do that in a fully decentralized manner. But I think you can kind of start at that base layer and kind of move your way up. Um, yeah, I think yeah, Ripple like, is pretty part of the chain. They're definitely going to have like that's. I think what like following that that same conversation is that. Um, if the base layer is decentralized, you can build centralization on top of that, but you can't go the other way around. And that's a very like, important yeah. thing about like all of these things. Is like well, I think what everyone's building is the real base layer infrastructure that doesn't that's, that's agnostic to um, the way people use it. And then from there, you can build what needs to be built based on the jurisdiction you live in, the centralization factors of like maybe governance, so that you can abide by the regulation in the jurisdiction you live in. And someone else can use the exact same platform, can, can do the same thing in the jurisdiction they live in that's not the same. Whereas, like, if you build a centralized service, then you're relegated to whatever that centralization is, regardless of how you build on top of it. And so what people are trying to do is build something that's scalable, that's completely agnostic to the decisions of the people who use it so that you can build anything you want on top of it and still have this kind of unifying language for those things to speak to each other. Like say, for instance, like we'll take it a, a far example of like people building systems on top of Ethereum um, that are more centralized than Ethereum is. Those two systems, say maybe it's like two governments build things on top, like voting systems on top of that. They can share with each other between those two systems through the lowered level infrastructure of Ethereum while still abiding by all the rules of their own system, if that makes any sense. And so like what I think the whole blockchain distributed ledger technology, if it's done correctly, will just be a completely agnostic um, infrastructure that people can build on top of to abide by whatever rules they need to abide by whatever community they're in. No, I like that. I like the idea of an agnostic like basis infrastructure. But what I'm worried about is that the existing infrastructure that's already existed for a long time before all of us ever existed, banks like that, they're going to somehow, I don't know, like EOS. EOS was supposed to be decentralized. Exactly. It's just... Well, I I think those things will lose because there's enough... I think we've kind of hit the... I don't know, is, is the shelling point the right word? We've hit a threshold where enough people understand that it can be done better and even if those things gain somewhat of a fad following, they won't survive because they can't provide the same guarantees and they don't operate the same way. And people will catch on to that and leave them eventually. 
Okay. I hope. That's a hope. I think that's the way it works. I hope that's the way it works, but who the hell knows? Like the internet was basically co-opted. Like the ideology of the early internet is not what we have today based on the decisions made in the process of scaling it out. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, ideology is very subjective. I mean, people keep saying the word decentralized, but it's not necessarily, a, I think of it as more of a means to an end. You really want, you know, transparent uh, systems that are censorship resistant and um, non-monopolistic, I guess would be the components I think matter. But decentralization and seems like a good way to do that and technology seem like a good way to get to decentralization. Um, but we end up in a, a lot of conversations uh, in this space about, well, that's not decentralized. They go, okay, well, what, what's it really trying to, to do? Does it need to be decentralized? What does decentralized even mean? So, I mean, it's going to be a lot of ebbs and flows and figuring things out. If there's one answer for everything or different answers from different use cases. Um, but, you know, it's still, <laughs> it just shows how early it is. No, that's, that's absolutely correct. Like, depending on the use case, you need different levels of throughput. So you can't have, like, a completely decentralized, like, blockchain where everybody has a copy of the ledger on their computer because you're going to have, you know, um, issues with updating everybody, uh, like, all the nodes on the network. So what I'm what I'm getting at is, like, I wonder if the community can come together to define, like, what what our whole entire community's idea of what decentralized would actually mean for us to all accept like one project and to kind of work off of one project. But I don't know if that will ever happen. Say what? Ask that one more time? Pretty sure that'll never happen. (laughs) Ask that one more time, Jesse? Well, Ethereum was like that one... um, It was like the... The the blockchain to end all blockchains, right? Because you could, you could have your like microcosm of use cases all on this one, on this one blockchain. And then it became non-feasible. So I wonder if there's like a definition of, yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. It doesn't, it's never going to happen where we could all like agree, Hey, this let's all just work on this one blockchain together and make it viable for all use cases. And this is, decentralized enough for all of us to say okay nobody no one government bank business is monopolizing this blockchain and we can all coexist here Mm. i don't know i think that i think one of the things that um when you look at this from a from a tech standpoint is the whole there has to be a lot more conversations that happen with government entities and i know people don't like that i just said that and i don't present day me doesn't like past the version of me doesn't like that present day me just said that but um technologies don't advance especially not in a ubiquitous manner without the kibosh from government it just doesn't happen so governments are going to get involved in, in order to um I don't know, catapult that that theory of yours there, Jesse, um, of one blockchain that people can kind of go to and trust. Um, and there's no way around that. I mean, if, if you think that I'm kidding, like go into the legal section of your smartphone and like you see governments have just painted themselves all over that. Look at this, look at the manufacturing sticker on the back of your microwave. 
There's government entities just printed all over that too. Like nothing proliferates from a technological standpoint without governments say so. So I don't know how that's going to play out. Maybe we should talk to Coin Center. Aren't those the guys that are like lobbying for Bitcoin and crypto? Is it Coin Center or Brave New Coin? Does anybody know? I don't know. We're running out of time. Let's let's go through. Yeah. Let's go through everyone here and uh, give some give some some parting thoughts on the holiday episode where we just talked to everyone, well, a portion of the community. So let's start. We'll just go down the list here. D. What am I supposed to be doing? Parting doing thoughts. thoughts. Um. Be a part of this evolution of the middleman. That's what I'll say. Figure out a way to get involved. Bruno? Hey, guys. <clears throat> Pretty much like D. I just like being part of it. And I hope one day when I'm old, I can be like, yeah, when when I wasn't there, it was all grass. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much what I want to be able to say. So, yeah, I just hope I can grow with the community and, and, and keep on learning, you know. Yep. We like having you, man. Yeah. Thank you. Cello, was, parting thoughts. Uh, I think Will Smith looks ridiculous as the genie in Aladdin. Oh, my God. Thank you for saying it. Yeah. I was waiting. That's a rough like, thing. I, I think it's a, it's a terrible, terrible casting job. Oh, my goodness. He looks terrible. <laughs> God. Oh, I also want to say something. My mic didn't drop out one time. Yay for solutions that work. Um but all right, your turn, uh, Jesse, or or Cello, whoever wants to go next. He's not. He's not paying attention to what's going on. JT, you're up next. <laughs> uh, just keep hustling. I guess you seem to work for you guys, so keep up the good work. Uh, everyone else out there, uh, every, we we all here think it'll get better. So hopefully we're right. Just keep hustling, and it'll pay off. Every day I'm hustling. Have you guys seen uh, American Meme on Netflix? No, I've been, it's been showing up and I haven't clicked on it yet because I'm trying to finish oh. other shows first. I'm curious what you guys would think if if you're if you have time, just watch it and then tell me if you think that some weird form of blockchain is going to be parallel to kind of what that documentary is that kind like of showed for social media. A Black Mirror thing or is it like a meme thing? It's like uh, how social media propagated um, the idea of becoming famous overnight and how people work on it and how social media changed marketing, how social media changed what, just how, how you become known. Is that the one with Paris Hilton in it? Yeah, yeah, that's the one with Paris Hilton. Uh, I did watch a little bit of that. I did. It, it reminded me of that Black Mirror episode where you, like, you got approval ratings based on your social status. Mm-hmm. It is interesting. Yeah, I'll have to give it a shot. Now that you, was, that, was that your parting thought, Jesse? That's my parting thought. Just curious what everybody thinks. All right. <laughs> everybody thinks about American memes. All right, everybody. That was a we're sitting like, I don't know, hour and 15 minutes or so, depending on yeah. what we cut out. Uh, that was fun. That was cool. Merry yeah, Kwanzaa, Christmas, Hanukkah. Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Yep. Yeah. Merry Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa to all of you. 
Uh, well, this is the part where we talk about the things that we do. If you want to be an ass, you can not listen anymore and wait for the next episode, or you can <laughs> have me roll them out. Um, so this is the Bitcoin Podcast, uh, flagship show of the Bitcoin Podcast Network. We have all kinds of shows. We have nine of them, ten of them. I don't know. Uh, and we offer like round the clock cryptocurrency, blockchain. I guess we drop distributed ledger technology a few times in this episode. Uh, that kind of content. Hopefully it's a one-stop shop. If it's not, then we're going to keep on working on that. Uh, what else do we use? So JT has a week to be in Ethereum. It's his weekly musings of things that he finds interesting in the space. Some of the coins. That is that... not the name of the blog, but appreciate the blog. Uh, appreciate the blog. <laughs> no, no, sorry. A week, a week to be in crypto. I'm bad at these, as you, you could just let him do it. Yeah. Hey, JT, why don't you do it? Makes it. You do it. You're here. <laughs> yeah. If, if you want to read uh, the same blog as at least three other people uh, each week, it's a week to be in crypto uh, as part of the Bitcoin podcast uh, medium page. Uh, Google around enough to probably find it. Um, appreciate the reads. Uh, it's just me forcing myself to write about crypto each week. And if you like, finding articles and podcasts, uh, but there's too much. You need a little curation. Give it a look. Yeah. So I've now gotten your name and your blog wrong. So That's I'm a, a great person. He is the worst manager of all time. Can, yep. I'm a stick with JT. JT works. I want to shout out uh, DJ NES's Crypto Till Infinity. It's literally like the perfect podcast to like jog to. You get 15 minutes of like crypto commentary and then you get like a really good upbeat soundtrack. Really unique podcast. Check that out. He's like over 33 episodes now. It's good stuff. Yeah, great working music. Great working music. It's good stuff. All right. Let's wrap it up. Oh, wait, Jesse, Jesse, you need to plug what you do on the network now because we're doing that. Oh, okay. Um, check out my uh, stream at uh, twitch.tv slash I'm going to rename it soon. So just hold off. It's a long name. What? That's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> hey, subscribe to my channel, but hold off. Hold off called, doing yeah. that. <laughs> By the way, Jesse also does just the headers on the network. Yeah, that's, yeah. What, that's, that's what I was hoping you. That's what I was hoping. He was like, you know, I don't, I don't do that. I also make great stew. You can check that out on a stream that doesn't exist. My name's Jess. <laughs> okay, that's yeah, it. Check out just the headers where D and I do the headlines on crypto news, and we try and sift through all the spammy regulations in different countries and try to pull something useful out of it to share with you guys. Yeah. Nice try. Too late now. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, thanks guys for tuning in. Uh, shout out to Zoe Saldana and Zazi Beats. Um, you guys got any ladies you want to give shout out to? Or Shout out to my wife. You always do that. So lame. <laughs> no. Cello? No? Nobody? Okay, that's it. Shout out to Corey's wife and those other two ladies. Play... Shout out to Michelle Obama. Play...